Welcome to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining in with our live. We appreciate you being here. Um, We're just going to minister a word this morning. We're going to be in Daniel, the fourth chapter, and also Daniel, the fifth chapter, Daniel 4 and Daniel 5. And we're going to begin to talk about the preeminence of Christ's kingdom. Uh, We've been dealing with this pandemic now. I think this is, is either the fifth or the sixth week. Everything is running together now for me. Um, that we have been in this global pandemic. And um, it's important for us to hear words of faith and encouragement and hope to help us navigate through the season that we're in. That's definitely uh, pertinent. But we also need to hear the mind of God and the intelligence from the Spirit of the Lord concerning how we are to live after this is all over. What is our next going to look like? And so in honor of that, there's some things that I believe that the Holy Spirit has impressed upon my heart to release uh, to the body of Christ. So we'll be in Daniel, the fourth chapter, and uh, I believe we'll look at the 17th verse, and then we'll be in Daniel 5 and 27. Daniel 4 and 17 says this, this decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. I'm going to read that again. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. So we're looking at a, a spiritual tribunal of God's Uh, governing officials who make decrees and make judgments just so that we will wake up. Sets over it, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Uh, Daniel 5 and 27 says this. I'm sorry, we should back up a little bit. 25. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Um, We're in a season now where the influence of God's government is profoundly impacting the earth. Uh, We see the ramifications and the dealings of the spiritual world interfacing and and interjecting itself into our world in a way perhaps that we have not uh, seen on this wise before. We gain access into the realm of the spirit, uh, revelatory insight and access Uh, specifically through the ministries of apostles and prophets whose responsibility is to represent to the earth and all of creation, the Almighty's power, wisdom, purpose, and plan. Um, If you look at this text in Daniel, you're dealing with the King Nebuchadnezzar, whom the Bible says that his kingdom had grown, he had grown, his greatness had, had grown, had reached to the heavens, his dominions had reached to the end of the earth, and he had come to the place where he himself saw himself as a god. 
He was as highly lifted as a man could be lifted up. And so because of his track record of forgetting the sovereignty and the power and the majesty and the might of the Most High God, there was a supernatural tribunal. Now, the Bible has made reference to these, uh, these gatherings several different times. The book of Job talks about it. The book of Zechariah talks about it, where the Lord, uh, as the Most High, meets with spiritual officiants over different spheres of humanity, over different spheres of creation. And uh, based on how we see it in the scripture, they have to give a report. They have to give an account. Uh, Zechariah talks about how the sons of God appeared and Satan even appeared with them. There's a scripture reference in Revelation that talks about, again, another one of these tribunals and Satan is sitting there before the throne of God making accusations against the saints. So the fact that there are uh, meetings that happen supernaturally, the Bible more than makes completely clear to us. And the ramifications of these meetings are the things that we see playing out and happening and manifesting in our lifetime. I believe that we are in such a season. When the Bible makes reference to watchers, the watchers are a specific class of angelic being, and we describe them as angelic beings just to, to categorize them, but the Bible doesn't really call them angels, they are watchers. They are supernatural, they are spiritual entities and beings that work in the kingdom of God. Uh, we can see in this text that they have an assignment to, uh, to literally mete out judgment. So their job as watchers is to look and to pay attention to things that are going on in the earth. And when there are uh, decisions that have to be made because of them observing things that go against or contrary to the will and the word and the law of God, these watchers have been uh, empowered and authorized and deputized by God to release judgments that impact the earth. Now, in this particular text, they released a judgment that overthrew the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. And it was to the intent that creation would know, that mankind would know that God himself rules in the kingdoms of men. Now, a lot of what we have been ministering and teaching and preaching to you all during this pandemic, um, during the global reset, has been centered around the sovereignty of God. And I think that we in the church world use uh, uh, cliches, we use phrases, and we say it, and we rehearse it, but we don't actually understand all of the implications of what those words mean. So when we talk about God being sovereign, it means that he is the ruler of his own kingdom and nation, but that he rules over all of creation. And that's something that you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to digest in your spirit as we're talking for these next few weeks about the preeminence of Christ's kingdom. Our God is sovereign. It means that the devil doesn't have power and authority or control to do anything that God doesn't permit him to do. The devil is not the antithesis of God. He is not his equal. He is not uh, uh, of the opposite polar. The devil is a created being that is on a leash in God's field. And God has his hand on the leash. So we have to understand that the sovereignty of God means that there are no equals, that there's no one like him. There's nobody that compares to him. There's no one in his realm of authority. There's no one in his realm. And not only does the supernatural realm recognize that because the book of Jude lets us know that the demons believe God and tremble, but this scripture is telling us that God rules even in the kingdoms of men. So when we are considering different uh, governmental 
policies and laws and things that are being enacted or agendas, whether covert or whether overt, that are impacting our lives, whether this is all uh, uh, whatever this this thing is that we're dealing with. We, we've discussed that other weeks. No matter what it is or who it is or who looks like they're in charge, the reality is our God is the sovereign and he is in absolute and utter control. And so prophetically, the Lord had been talking to us um, coming into 2020 uh, in the specific words that he said. He said he was going to grip the heart of the nation. He said he was going to grip the hearts of the people and that he was going to show us that he is sovereign. Because I believe, like Nebuchadnezzar, that people have set up kingdoms, they have sat on thrones, they have, they have built all of these things, and they have forgotten the sovereignty of God. So when the watchers begin to see that kind of uh, uh, apostasy or that kind of rejection of who God is, there are decrees and there are just judgments that are issued to shift the earth back into that awareness. He said this. Now, this was um, really interesting. Let me, let me give you another. 527. He says, you have been weighed in the balances and you have been found Wanting. Now, this was the writing that came on the wall, okay? He said, you have been weighed in the balances and you have been found wanting. So what does that say to us? The God that everyone runs around saying, only God can judge me, yet you don't believe that there's any judgment in God. It means that he has a measurement system. And this measurement system is not just him sitting on the throne, but he has a system of governing powers and authorities in the heavens and in the earth that are a part of that measurement. And so it means that what we do and how we do it, uh, the internal conversation that we have in the midst of it, what our intention and our motives are for the things we do, all of those things are constantly being measured by a system that we can't naturally see. And that measurement determines the outcome of everything that we engage. What am I doing? I'm painting the picture so that we can begin to see and dissect that after the global pandemic is over or that our lives go back to some semblance of, of normality, even though things will never be exactly the same again, uh, we cannot forget the sovereignty of God, and we have to be geared up for what it is that he is shifting us into. Number one, it's going to be the establishment of his kingdom on the earth and in our lives, not just in a theoretical sense, but in a practical sense. In other words, God as the sovereign is coming to be the sovereign over you. He's coming to be the sovereign over your life. He's coming to be the Lord over your ministry that he probably hasn't been Lord over for a long time. He's coming to be the Lord over your day and your gifts and your plans and your agendas, your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your 20-year plan. Why? Because it is time that the kingdoms of men bow down to the sovereignty of the Most High God because God has an agenda for the planet. He has an agenda for this generation. He has has an agenda for why he's anointed you and called you and gifted you. And for too long, our approach to this has been for what we can get out of it. It has been us trying to compensate for areas in our lives where we have had loss or deficit. It, is, it has been us trying to make up for us seasons of rejection or trauma and hurt. We've entered in 
to the ministry of God, not because we have been constrained by the spirit of God, but because we think it's a good idea and that it's profitable and it's a quick way to success without doing the work that it would take to be successful in another sphere. This is the type of activity that the sovereign is judging. He is sovereign. He is in control and he permits things like global crises and catastrophes and pandemics. Why? Just so that we can look up and say the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. Just so that we can recognize that he is the sovereign God. We know that we, you know, we have our faith and we have our power and we have our anointing and we have all of this clout and all of this stuff. But even in that, we have to bow. He'll put you in a season, apostles and prophets, where your decrees don't manifest. He'll put you in a place where you may be used to seeing people healed, and then all of a sudden a global pandemic hits, and you're burying people that are connected to your ministry. He'll put you in a place with all of your, your, your glory and authority and what you wear and how many times your shadow healed. He'll put you in a place that you'll have to look up like everybody else and cry out to the sovereign God. Why? Because with all of your mantle and anointing and power, at the end of the day, he says, I'm still sovereign. You can't use the word to manipulate him. You can't use prayer to manipulate him. You can't bend him over and make him do what you think that he ought to do. He sits in his throne. At the end of the day, he looks at all of creation. He looks at all of the heavens and he says, I'm in charge. And so we have entered in, we have already entered into it. The, the, the time and season has shifted. We've entered into an era now where the kingdom of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has met the sovereign God. We've met the God that we're not carrying around in our pocket telling him what he's going to do, prophesying stuff to people that God didn't say promising words and future to people whose hearts aren't even purged and whose lives don't even serve God. I don't know. I, I just, this is my vein. Now, I know that we have done really good for these last five weeks, and I've been trying to just be encouraging uh, a pastor. I know that our audience is a little bit wider, but the Holy Spirit checked me and reminded me that he's sovereign. And he said, you better give them the word that I give you. Now, I didn't compromise on the word, but I said, let me just, let me just get it together for the people. No, 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 no. This is the truth. He's the sovereign. He's in control. And, and, and the problem that we have had to face and the, the environment that created a need for him to shift us like this has been the way that pulpiteers and ministers and preachers of the gospel have masqueraded and they put on costumes and they have slyly seduced the people of God into places of apostasy and rejection of truth and error and, 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 and the aggrandizing of the flesh and its agendas and pursuits. God released a sword to bring us back to where we ought to be. So now in the global reset, if you want to survive the reset, if you want to, because it's more than just gloves and masks. Huh? It's more than hand sanitizer and washing for 20 seconds. Because if you look around, there are people that sat in their houses and never left the house, ain't been out the house for years, who transitioned from this pandemic. There are people that had no virus who are transitioning. I was looking at the news. Now there's a new trend. People in their 40s are just having heart attacks and strokes. They don't know why. 
in mass. God is sovereign. And he's gripped the heart of a people. And he's brought us back into the realization that he's in control. So if we want to survive this, don't be uh, arrogant and pompous enough to think that uh, uh, your rigorous hand washing is going to keep you here. There has to be an acknowledgement that he's the most high God. There has to be an acknowledgement that we have places where we've got to repent. There has to be an acknowledgement. I know this word is old school to a lot of y'all, but the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about sanctification. Like we have thrown that completely out of the equation. It's like salvation, it's grace, and then it's you're going to the nations. That's, that's, that's pretty much the, 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 the path now in the kingdom. You get saved today, you hear the message of grace, you start preaching it tomorrow, and then the next prophecy over you is you're going to the nations. But we have forgotten some stuff along the way. What about consecration that says, I'm no longer my own and I can't do it my way, no matter how appealing my way seems to me? Oh, I don't want to be bound by a religious spirit. Paul, in his wisdom, said all things are, are lawful, but everything's not expedient. Just because you won't go to hell don't mean you're supposed to do it in heaven or in the earth. There has to be a process that says, God, my heart has to belong to you. You see my heart. They may not see it. They are only looking on the outward appearance. If I get enough likes on social media, my ministry will blow up. Has nothing to do with the level of my consecration or holiness. Has nothing to do with the level of my integrity and how I treat my wife or my kids. Has nothing to do with whether or not I'm a good steward over the souls and the people that are entrusted to me. If I'm popular enough on your social media, somebody with a big stage will let me come preach. That's why we're in the pandemic that we're in. That's why we're dealing with a global crisis and catastrophe because judgment had to begin in the house of God and he had to shift us back into understanding his sovereignty. You want the world to know something that you as the body don't even live. To survive it, we've got to come back into order, huh? We gotta come back into order. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna stop. We gotta come back in to divine order. We gotta come back into kingdom rulership, which means who has the right to rule? See, I'm gonna say this and I gotta go. We gotta admit that we're uncomfortable with God. Let's, can I just tell you? Can I, can, I, can I preach for a couple of more minutes? We're uncomfortable. We, 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 we want God to deliver us from hell, but we don't want his lordship. We want God to heal our bodies when we get sick, but we don't want him to have the right to tell us what to do with those bodies. We want God to heal our loved ones and to provide for us and to answer our prayers. But we don't want him to have governance over our lives. You see the, the hypocrisy? You see the schizophrenic nature of how we have evolved as the nation of Christ? See, the evangelical movement 
of Christianity that is preached uh, and highlighted the, the evangel, evangelistic or evangelism of souls um, has been extremely important because we needed the kingdom to be populated. We needed people to be born again. We needed people to repent. We needed people to know that God exists. Um, but the issue with evangelism or, or the evangelical movement is that it only painted the picture of Christ as a humble, broken, bruised, battered savior dying on the cross, hoping that someone believes his message. The evangelical movement didn't introduce us to the sovereign God. The evangelical movement in, in, in doctrine in, or in theory did not introduce us to the resurrected Christ with the sword coming out of his mouth that the apostle John saw. Didn't introduce us to the sovereign God that has the four living creatures around his throne that Ezekiel saw and Isaiah saw. In the reset, we need to ask God to open our eyes to see him as he really is. He's putting things in divine order. He's given kingdom rulership, which identifies for us who has the right to rule. Somebody say rule. Say dominion. Say government. Say governance. Say lordship. Say sovereignty. See, these are all words that establish leadership and subject. I know that's I know I, I'll get off, I'll get off of it already because I can already feel you. I can already feel you. I'm free in Jesus. I do whatever I please. Yeah, there's a way that seems right unto men, but the end is destruction. See, God has the reins of all of this right in His hands, and in order for you to thrive and to make it and to be on the other side of this pandemic, it is necessary for you to get under those reins. Not that you're really outside of them anyway, you just thought you were. And he permitted you to believe that and permitted you to move around as if he were not in, in control. But now we're, we're meeting him in control. This means that in the divine order and in the rulership, it means that he's putting governing authorities back in their rightful position in the kingdom. What does that mean? It means that the apostles that you say don't exist are on the scene and are in seats of power and authority and they are governing and they are governing in your regions and they're impacting your lives whether you like them and come to their conference or not. It means that there are prophets in positions that are releasing prophetic uh, intercessions and decrees that are impacting the climate where you live and you're waking up every morning saying there are no prophets and every single air you breathe in is going to be the result of something that a prophet released into your atmosphere. It means that what Satan and the church and religious people have done to suppress apostles and prophets, it means that it is completely fallen to the ground. God made it clear. He spoke to me and said, that the vetting that was necessary for this next phase of what he's rolling out has already been completed and that apostles and prophets are in authority. They're in their seats, they're in their position, and now they have to exact the fullness of what they've been called to do. We can't sit on the sidelines, we can't wait for you to like us, we can't wait for your social media uh, uh, attention to pump us up, 
We can't wait to get invited to your conference. We can't wait until you open up a major door platform. Guess what? I am a major door platform. I'm a major door platform sitting at my dining room table talking to you. Because he shifted our awareness to recognize who he is and who he is in us. There are things that creation is waiting for the sons of God to come into a place of manifestation in order to stop its travail. It's not waiting for popularity measures. It's waiting for people who understand the strain of God's DNA that they are comprised of and that can command the earth to do what it has to do. Somebody say rulership. Rulership. God is shifting. There's so much coming. God is shifting this. Somebody say he's shifting it. He's shifting it. He's judging these systems. He's judging systems. Religiosity, the form of godliness with no power, religious systems that have failed to produce God's results. Just look around. He's shutting it down. There are people that have observed tradition more than the spirit, so much so that the Holy Spirit has been invited out of what they're doing, yet they're doing it with God's people? No, ma'am. He's shutting it down. It just, open your eyes. He's shutting it down. Do you realize, the Holy Ghost, I heard this in prayer. Do you realize that there are some church movements and structures right now that will be a byword in the next generation? People won't even remember them because they've never produced anything of any eternal value that the Holy Spirit is deemed needs to be perpetuated in another generation. Some of these churches where the founders are gone, as much as people honor and revere and respect them, do you realize that that entire thing ended with the founder and it's only gonna dwindle down and dwindle down and dwindle down till there's nothing left? Why? Because people have failed in their commission to do what God has called them to do. So he doesn't have a need for them in the earth and he doesn't have a need for what they built to continue. That's sovereignty. Right to rule. Apostles and prophets, fivefold leaders are coming into their position, not just of appeasing the people, but of rulership, of dominion, of governance, of bringing the manifestation of God's eternal government into the earth. I think I'll stop. Let me give you these four little things that are gonna be the result of the reset. Kingdom's gonna be in order, rulership, divine order, governance is here. It's, or it's here, it's, it's, it's now. So the, 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 the run, the test run, if you will, for how we're gonna lead and govern in this next move is starting right now behind your screens. It's starting now. This doesn't happen day one when you get back to your church building. He took church building out of the equation. <laughs> he took church building out of the equation. Now you have to manifest as the organism of the church, the, the, the organism of the body of Christ. You have to manifest like the kingdom of God is in you. Is God sovereign when you don't have a post on the wall in the tabernacle? Is he still the Lord over your life when you don't have to, you don't, you don't have a, a, the head usher telling you what time you're supposed to be at church? Because some of our experience with the governance of God ends when we walk out the door because he has no other 
authority over us except for what the leader over our auxiliary is asking us to do. Wake up. Hello? Wake up. This is why we are in the global pandemic. This is why the watchers are making decrees. This is why kingdoms of men are being shut down. Why? Until you know that the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. He's ruling over you when you're in your car. It's not just about church. So the church costume and face had to be melted away so that you could realize you were apostate. Some of you didn't know you were apostate. You didn't know you were backslidden. You had no idea that God was not in control over your life until the pandemic. Who have you been for the last five weeks? I'll wait. What is your life consisted of for the last five weeks? Because that'll tell you who you really are. No church people to impress. No pastor to appease because you're trying to get a position. You ain't got nowhere to show off your semi-fancy clothes. Walking into church just because it's a fashion show. Literally, it, the impetus that gets you out of the bed is your opportunity to showboat. You ain't got that. You ain't had that for five weeks. So who are you? And who's your God? Who are you and who is your God? most high rules in the kingdoms of men. He's, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's, he's in control. He's in control in heaven. He's control, in control in the earth. He's in control under the earth. Let me give you these four things that's happening. Number one, authority and power, exousia and dunamis. This is going to be the result of this reset. So we are going to be in place and in position for authority and power. Authority is the right to act. In other words, an authorized or deputized agreement. The power is the actual texture, <clears throat> excuse me, the actual stream of the Almighty's omnipotence that will flow through you. Dunamis, to get his will done. What is God's will that has to be done that you haven't done because he has not been your Lord? Assess your life. What is God's will that you should be manifesting that you have not been manifesting because he's really not Lord over your life? He's your savior. I didn't say you weren't going to heaven. I just said he can't tell you what to do. Authority and power. Number two, revival. Revival. Revival is not synonymous with the harvesting of souls. Revival is for the people that was already saved that have spiritually died. Sit there. The only way we need a revival is that those who were already spiritually quickened and alive have gone back into the state of being dead. Revival is for the saints. So as much as we glorify revival, the reality is if God has called for a revival, it's because you're dead and you should have been alive. You could not steward the power of life that was in you, so he has to send it again. See, the whole, 
He told me to preach. He told me, he said, preach the way I called you to preach. I said, oh, okay, that's easy. Now that I can do. Huh? Revival means that you need to be quickened again. And then number three, there is a harvesting of souls. There are going to be new converts. The kingdom of God is going to be populated, but it's not going to be populated with these pseudo-spiritual, half-non-believing Christians. Y'all, oh, God. Who don't even know what God they serve. And then four, kingdom influence in every sphere. Bible says, you're the light of the world. You're the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth, Matthew 514. It's time for you to be who God has called you to be. It's time for you to be that city set on a hill. It's time for you to be the salt of the earth because if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled. Can I tell you that in a global pandemic, there's some salt trampling happening right now? The, oh, there's some salt trampling. There's, see, when you, when you meet the sovereign God, you realize that he gets to move and, and you trust that all of his moves are according to righteousness and justice because they are. There's no, there's no darkness or shadow of turning in him. So he is the, the, the consummation of perfected light. There's no darkness in him, which means that everything he does is of consummate purity and rightness and righteousness. But if he says the salt that loses its savor is good for nothing, this is the sovereign talking, good for nothing. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled. So when you see the demolishment of some of what we have called ministry, it should inspire in you the fear of the Lord. Don't think the devil's winning. The devil can't touch the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. When the church is being affected like this, it means God has thrown out tasteless salt. And he's letting it be trampled because it doesn't have its flavor. We're going to be dealing with this, the preeminence of Christ's kingdom. We have shifted into divine order. I mean, as for us, as for me and my house, as for me and Ecclesia Global, Ecclesia Global, the network, Ecclesia Global Worship Assembly, we're shifted into this new order. We're in a new order. There's upgrades that have already happened. There are uh, new levels of power and authority that have already come upon us that we can feel. There's new revelation. There's new insight. And we're shifting with God in this move. And we're doing what it is that he has positioned us in the earth to do. And we'll do it with all of the grace that he gives us and all of the wisdom and the ability that he gives us, recognizing that he is the one that's in control. We already began this process. If you all will recall, months ago, before this pandemic even started, I got up and gave you the word of the Lord that God said, you better do your first works over again. Or he'll remove your candlestick from its place. We started dealing with repentance and doing the first works. Why? Because there was a global crisis coming. There was a pandemic coming that God said, I don't want you to get overtaken in the throes of what's about to hit this earth. He said, get rightly aligned with me. Let's fix it. Let's go back to your fundamentals. Remember, we've been talking about, let's go back to the foundation. Let's, let's, let's get back to where you were before the, the, the work of ministry became more important than the worship of God. Let's go back to where you were. 
when you had a seek and a desperation before you got lights and, and stage presence. That's what he told us. Now we see why. There's a lot of things happening, and I guess we'll, we'll deal with some of this on Wednesday. A lot of things happening around the world. We're praying for justice and judgment. We're praying for justice and judgment. A lot of things are happening. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of you who are watching now. I want to pray for all of you who will watch this. If you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the most important thing that you can do in your life. It is the most important thing that you can do. And when I say give him your life, I don't mean trying to escape hell. It's not worth it. I don't mean trying to escape hell. Because there are people who have centered their entire salvation experience around the hope that they're escaping hell and they will bust hell wide open. Because they never intended for him to be Lord over their life. They never intended to repent, which is the first order of salvation. They never intended to walk away from their sins. If you, if you uh, consider in the Gospels John's baptism, they had to confess their sins openly to the crowd of people that was out there. Why? Just so the community would know that you said you were a prostitute and you got baptized and you're not supposed to be prostituting no more. So when we see you on the corner of Chapel and Maple, we're going to talk about they had to confess their sins openly because there was a communal responsibility to make sure that the people who said that they were believers really lived like believers. So I'm not going to give you the get out of hell free card that if you repeat this five second prayer after me, everything's going to be good and you're going to make heaven your home. I don't know about that. You're going to have to make him Lord. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to come out of sin you're going to have to have a lifestyle change. You're going to have to become sanctified. I know y'all don't like this. I know you don't like it. And that's why the Bible says straight is the way and narrow. Narrow. Huh? There's only a few who find it. If I'm still in this Bible, then you got to stay here. When I leave this Bible, turn your computer off. That's the new one, y'all, for the virtual world. When I leave this Bible, turn your computer off. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life, but there are few who find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. Hello, social media age with a lot of broadness. Everybody not listening to this, but if we understood salvation to mean that we're shifting kingdoms, which means that the system that governs and that rules us, we go from darkness to light. Light has a different dynamic of functionality than darkness does. There are things you do in light that you don't do in darkness and vice versa. Can't be in the kingdom of light living like you're still in the kingdom of darkness and think that you've actually made the switch. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. So I'm presenting to you the message of salvation, not get out of hell free card. But if you're, if you're serious about realizing that you need the redemptive work of Jesus Christ applied and manifesting in your life because you want to come out of the life and the world and the grip and the control of Satan and the kingdom of darkness that you have been subjected to and that you want to change gods. Because if you don't belong to Jesus Christ, you belong to Satan. He's your Lord, and when your soul crosses over into eternity, he will be on the other side of eternity to collect the souls that belong to him. And then, 
in the final judgment, all of y'all are gonna be thrown into the lake of fire. Because the lake of fire was created for Satan and his angels. So his biggest insult to God is, I'm gonna take the creation that you made in your likeness and image, and I'm taking them with me. Since my judgment is already set, which it is, and he knows, he says, my biggest insult is that I'm going to take the creation that you loved enough to come down in the form of man, die on the cross, shed your blood, die on the cross to redeem them. I'm taking them with me. I'm going to show you that the people that you died for don't even care about you. That's, that's the battle. So when you're choosing which God you're going to serve, if you choose the devil, you become a part of his plan to insult the Almighty. I could go deeper with that, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm going to save some for the next few weeks of, of quarantine. But I could really go somewhere with that. Watch the agendas that are being pushed, because behind them you have Satan as the master insulter of all things that are God. Watch the agenda. You got free choice. You definitely do. Trust me, you do. You can choose to go to heaven or hell. You could choose to stay in the house or go out there and be a mass murderer. I mean, there's a lot of choice. Choice doesn't exempt you from righteousness and what you ought to do. That's another story. It's another sermon. But someone here needs to give their heart to the Lord. So if that's you, after all that I said, someone said, my, my old mentor, Archbishop Veron Ash, said that when apostles have altar calls, people run out of the church. He said they don't run to the altar. They run away from the church. They leave. Because the apostles dealing with your eternal so they're dealing with your eternal makeup. They're not trying to give you something to make you feel good, to appease you so you can make it to the next week. They're trying to make sure that you make it to heaven when you die and that the right God is your Lord. So let's pray. If that's you and you're going to pray this prayer of repentance, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you according to your grace and mercy and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I acknowledge that I have walked according and under the control of the kingdom of darkness. I've lived my life according to the prince and the power of the air, which is Satan. But I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my iniquity, which is generational patterns of sin. Forgive me for my transgressions. That's overstepping the boundaries of the law. Forgive me for both the intention and the action of sin, the sin principle that dwells in my members because I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And I repent. That means I turn around. I change my mind. I, I, I reprioritize my focus. I divorce and denounce the behaviors associated with my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. Because your word says that if I confess my sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive me, which means you wipe the slate clean as far as the east is from the west. So far, you've removed my sin from me. And not only do you forgive me, but you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That means every consequence of the sin, every pattern of injustice, or unrighteousness that is the result of it, it's completely obliterated. 
because of the blood of Jesus. So Father, I accept that now. I ask you for it and I receive it by faith in the name of the Son of God. Now empower me, I pray, to turn my life completely around. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can have power to live the Christ life in the earth. Anoint me with the power of the Holy Spirit to break every shackle and chain. I renounce every agreement that I've created with the kingdom of darkness to follow it. I renounce it and I break rank with it now in Jesus' name. And I ask you to deliver me. And I ask you to completely set me free. Lay an ax to the root of every tree and system in me and in my nature that despises you. And I'll be careful to give you the glory. I thank you for it. I receive it by faith. And I call it done. Now, if you prayed that prayer, in reality, you're saved. You can lift your hands right now and begin to worship. And you should be able to tell that there's a difference because you pass from death to life. You should be able to sense that the Holy Spirit of God has quickened your dead spirit and brought life into you in a place and in a way that you've never encountered life before. That's the Zoe life of God. It's the eternal life of God. It supersedes your temporal life here. And it guarantees you life with him on the other side. If that's you, I want you to just put something in the comments, find a way to get in contact with us because we want to connect with you. Because after your salvation, you need to be connected to a place that's going to teach you the Bible. You need to be connected to a place that has an, author, uh, an altar that God has authorized and that he recognizes. You need to be in a place that is a kingdom center. Ain't I saying this with boldness? A kingdom center that has his governing authorities in there that can help you with how he's ruling and governing in creation. He's going to teach you the truth, unadulterated truth that's going to expose you to a real encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, his real presence, not the made-up presence, not goosebumps and fog machines, but anointing and power and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened so that you can understand who he is, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ being poured out on you. That's what you need. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to the Ecclesia Global Podcast where once again we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. We'll see you next time.